Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. Here you'll learn about how to grow your home building, remodeling, or contracting business. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. This podcast has really turned into a movement and community of people who want to grow personally and professionally. Here we bring you some of the best marketing, sales, and business minds in the industry so you can elevate your business. All right, let's dive into the show. Hey, I'm Spencer Powell, and welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. Recently, Tom Reber of The Contractor Fight invited me to join him on his podcast, and we talked all about marketing strategy versus tactics, the power of constraints, both time and money, and a bunch of other stuff. So I thought you guys would enjoy listening to that one. So let's dive right into that conversation. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Getting Eyeballs episode of The Contractor Fight Podcast. It's all about getting eyeballs. Got to get the phone to ring consistently with the right prospects. And if you don't, you're going to have a hard time selling stuff. Today, my guest is an old friend. He's been on the show before. We actually live in the same town and never get together, which is ridiculous. I got to have you guys, you and your family over the house, man. Got to have you over. Spencer Powell, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Good to see you. I know it cracks me up. It's like it's the classic like family that lives thirty minutes away, but you like never see them because it's just far enough. You know, even though you and I are probably only like ten minutes away, so no excuses. We're kind of northeast, so Banning Lewis area, right in there. Okay, so, yeah. So that's probably Mark yeah, Sheffel, Woodman. Or so. Yeah, it's <laughs> all good, man. We're all good. So, dude, how you been, man? Been good. Yeah. It's it's been a fun year so far. Yeah. The boys are about to turn four and two. So life goes quick. (laughs) Yes, it does. Our youngest are uh, seniors in high school right now. So it's it's like that, man. That's that's what everyone tells me. They're like, you're going to blink and they're going to be going to college. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, good deal. Well, dude, I appreciate you finding some time here this week to hang out and talk marketing and and like I said at the top, man, this is all about helping people get the phone ring. And, and you're pretty damn good at doing that for the clients that you work with at Builder Funnel. Give us kind of an overview of Builder Funnel. What do you do and who do you do it for and stuff just to kind of set some context here? We do primarily digital marketing and really our sweet spot is like a niche within a niche. So we could take residential construction and then carve out like design build. So that would be interior remodelers, kitchen bath, whole home additions, and then custom builders. So generally people that follow that design build process in one form or another. Yeah. When you started though, were you everybody kind of like most businesses do? You just said, we're going to help everybody market. And then over the years, you just kind of said, Hey, this is kind of, this is our sweet spot. You know it. Yeah. When we first started, the reason we we got into this industry is I started working with my uncles who had the family business at the time. They've been in business. The family has for over a hundred years out in the Seattle market, but my uncles wow. had that business at the time. So I started doing some work for them on social and figuring out the website and SEOs like 2010, 2011. But yeah, we also served just some other random industries that came to us. And then it was a few years in and we said, there's going to be a million like inbound marketing agencies and digital marketing agencies. Like we need to be different. So we niched into residential construction, we'll call it. So home improvement, you know, spec builders, community builders, custom builders, interior modelers, like all of that. But recently 
past several years, we've kind of put our North stars, like if we're going to be the best at something, we need to create our world. So we're not going to be the best marketing agency. Like that's, mm-hmm. we're not going to serve every industry and be the best in every industry, but even within this big industry, are we going to be the best for all these different like slices of it? And so I'm not claiming that we're the best in our niche, but that's our North star and that's what we're striving for all the time. And so that's why we've kind of like continued to narrow and narrow, but it's, it's made everything a lot easier because we get to know that audience really, really well. Well, it's a lot easier to systemize what you systematize what you do as well and have the processes in place and see patterns and formulas that work, you know, for that certain specific niche. So yeah. And that's why, I mean, even for like all the, the guys and gals listening to this, I mean, that's why you see a roofing company doing 30 million and all they do is roofs. It's like, well, they mm-hmm. probably could do windows or kitchens or baths. Like they have the client base, but it's not as efficient. It's not as profitable. And, you know, so niching down and really finding out like, who's my ideal client, but what's my ideal project? Where do I make the most money, the most, best margin? Like those are all business decisions that, you know, if you think about it at day one and day a thousand, like you want to scale it out in the right way. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. You start talking like that. People are going to be like, man, I got to track my shit now. You got to you <laughs> figure out what my best, most profitable services are, but no, I'm just giving you a hard time. It's obnoxious, you right? It's obnoxious. <laughs> you're fanatical about tracking stuff and I love it, man. So before we get into this, I would love to hear from you how you define marketing. It's a good one. I should probably come up with a formal definition, you know, but the way I would define it, hearing you ask it like on the fly would just be trying to think of the first word to use, like a method of driving qualified prospects to your business, I guess would be if I had to just like simply define yeah. it. If I were trying to boil it down into like one sentence, if I were to elaborate, I would add a lot more stuff, but I'll kind of leave it there as as my off-the-cuff, like, one-liner. And if you had a differentiation, how would you define building your brand? I would define that as lower cost per lead over a longer time horizon. And so if you think about, like, I never understood branding for a long, long time. Hmm. And I feel like I'm still learning more and more about branding, like, the further you get into it. But brand, I think, is, is a combination of, like, recognition and like the ability to recall, but also like what you stand for and like what Mm -hmm. your culture is. And so if you think about the big iconic brands, like we know them, right? It's Nike, it's Apple, it's whoever. Mm -hmm. And we know them through repetition. And then we also know them through like the exposure, like we have, we're holding them there, we're using their products every day. But we also start to associate them with certain words and ideals, and that helps deepen the recognition or the recall of that brand. And so, you know, at the local level, you know, you think, okay, well, I'm not I'm not trying to be Apple. I'm not going to be Apple. But people, they see your signs. They see your trucks. They see if you sponsor Little League games. They see like the experience that somebody shares about your company, they see an employee that works at your company and they talk to them and how do they talk about the company? Like all of those things kind of get melded in there. And so I think brand is kind of an extension of core values and culture and like your company DNA. But then it's kind of like the, how do you push that out into the world and get that like repetition in front of your, your audience? So I feel like it's a monster topic, but that's 
how I think about it because, and then back to how I originally answered it, which is like lower cost per lead along a long time horizon. If you do a billboard today, that could be seen as a branding effort, right? Like we're just, we want a bunch of impressions. We want to get exposure to our company and our brand. But if you just do it one time, it's going to be a really high cost for probably little to zero result. Mm -hmm. But if you do it a hundred times or 200 times over five years, then suddenly you get all these people that have seen the exposure over and over and over and over and over. And then five years later, a whole bunch of them need what you have at that time, but they didn't five years ago. So now they need it and they recognize you. And the best example I have of this is when I bought my engagement ring. Now, Tom, this is going to be a question for you because you're local. Like, I'm already thinking of a company. I see. So. Jeweler. Yeah. I'll just say Jeweler yeah. in Colorado Springs. Anybody coming to mind? Louisa Griff. Exactly right. <laughs> and, and this is crazy because yeah. I moved here when I was in fourth grade. And I probably heard that commercial on the radio freaking hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times from mm -hmm. fourth grade all the way through high school, left for college, came back. And then when I was getting ready to propose, I was like, well, I know these people. I'll just go and talk to them. And of course, after you get in there and you talk, I'm like, I'm not going anywhere else. Like, I'm just going to buy from them. So can you imagine if they said on year one, branding doesn't work? Right. Right. Extreme example, but it's a very real one and it actually happens and it actually works, you know, and, and there's going to be people that you catch in year one, in year two, in year three, in year four, that they were 24 at the time. I wasn't, right? I was 12 or whatever it was. So hopefully that example like helps connect some of the dots around brand and how it actually is lead gen, but it, you have to have a really long time horizon. Well, it's it's about, you know, one of our values in the in the contractor fight is play the long game, right? Everything Love we it. do is is the long game. And I think that's an area where a lot of contractors go wrong when it comes to building their brand or marketing their businesses and getting leads. It's like, if I do something, if I run an ad or, you know, whatever, and I don't get a lead today from the ad, I'm ticked off and marketing doesn't work and I'm never going to invest in it again because it's a ripoff. And so I just think too many people don't have that long game mentality. Yeah. Not to say that you should be spending money on stuff that doesn't work over time, right? I know there's always that mm -hmm. that balance, but and you brought up yard signs and trucks and billboards and, you know, things like that, which to me are tactics, right? Mm -hmm. And and I'd love to talk a little about, I guess for the bulk of this maybe here today, just this is one of those things that's always when I figured this out, the game changed. I'll just leave it at that. So, I find that most contractors throw a bunch of tactics at the wall. Oh, I heard Facebook ads work, so they run Facebook ads. I, I should have a truck wrap, which you should, right? Door hangers, Google ads, content. You know, they're just throwing all these things at the wall, hoping something sticks. What can you talk to about maybe the difference between strategy and tactics? And then, like, how would you go about creating an actual strategy that you could work and have the right tactics supporting that? Like, what would that look like? Yeah. I think a good analogy to talk about the difference between like and tactics is design and build. So if you're a design build kitchen remodeler, like you're not going to just like walk into a kitchen, talk to somebody and be like, oh yeah, I've done kitchens before. Like, let's start pulling out cabinets. Like, 
Let's start mm-hmm. painting, right? Like those are tactics. Like, could you get a pretty good result? Like probably because you've done it before, right? Like, you know what you're doing, but will you get a superior result on a better budget on a better timeline? If you did some design and planning and scope and you know, that upfront yeah. in the design process, like, of course. And so it's the same with, with strategy first marketing. And that's why we take that approach is sure. We could come in, like, let's do some SEO. Let's shoot some video. Let's, you know, like you said, do all these random tactics and like, you might get a result. You might not. But if you take a strategic approach first, then you're lining up all of the tactics to follow on with the context of the strategy that you set up front. So I think that's the analogy that maybe helps like tie the two together because you still can get some results with just tactics, but the odds go down and the the magnitude of them is going to be much less. Well, I think a strategy has got to be rooted in knowing, like you shared earlier in this thing, like what's your ideal project? Who's your ideal client? What does that person look like? Who do you want to clone? And then what, what language do you use to attract them and repel the others? That's all part of strategy. And that just, that makes everything easier. Like when you, when you run an ad, if you're speaking to that person, you're going to get higher quality leads that come in and you're going to be closing those deals more often than not. hundred percent. It's like, let's say you do kitchens, baths and basements or something like that. So to your example, you could run an ad that just says like top quality construction services. It's like, okay, well that's super broad. But if it's like all the way centered around kitchens, like 20 day kitchens, you know, whatever, some guarantee, click here to learn more. Like, well, one, it's all about kitchens. So it's very targeted. Hopefully you've got like some imagery that ties into your ideal client and their lifestyle too. So now that's contextual, but now you've got maybe a timeline, a special timeline and a special guarantee, but you can only do that because you're really good at kitchens and you don't do a million things. And so you, you get the privilege of including that because you can actually accomplish it versus the guy that just does all the construction services, right? So I think everything gets contextualized, the ads, the content, right? If you're writing blogs, if you're shooting videos, like if you're just focused on kitchens, then you can hone in all of the context around just that. So you get the, I think you get the benefit of context, but also focus versus if you do 10 services, now you got to do content around all 10 of those things. And each one is a beast in and of itself. I know you know that because you're a big content creator and it's a lot of work. So yeah, is, I'm being reminded, I don't, this is a really long time ago, man. I actually saw this in a magazine, like one of those higher end neighborhood magazines a million years ago. And I thought it was brilliant. And if I were thinking at the time, I would have taken a picture of it and use it as an example. So I'll probably butcher it, but this company, it was, they were design build company. They did kitchens. That was like their main thing. And it was an ad for a kitchen. It was this gorgeous kitchen with an island and all this other stuff. And it was empty. Nobody was in there, right? But it was really nice professional photography and stuff. And the headline, the big thing that jumped out said something along the lines of, this is the center of your universe. And dot, dot, dot. And then down below, they had just really well-written text, like punchy copy, right? I'm going to drag it out because I don't remember the copy. But it said something like something about like, this is where the homework gets done. This is where the cookies get made. This is where this one hit me was the late night tears with a teenager happen. 
Mm. You know, like it, and it was painting this emotional picture. Now, who's that for? Like that was for the woman of the home, man, who wants that kitchen. It's the hub of the house. It's the hub of the family. All the activity handles it. That's what we're talking about, guys, is building that strategy around what does that space really mean to somebody? You know, and, and that's why marketing is an ongoing thing. Re- refining and or optimizing your strategy should be something that's getting better over time as you're learning more about your clients. Here in the yeah. fight, dude, like we have our now strategies are, I probably do this a little bass backwards. Our number one strategy, just to give people an example here in the contractor fight is we will be the best educators to help home improvement contractors stop stealing from their families and bring respect back to themselves and the trades. Okay. So the strategy is to be the best educators. The tactics are things like this, the podcast, the YouTube channel events that we put on. So those are tactics. And to me, my strategy of being the best educator will be timeless. That isn't going anywhere, but the tactics can change. And I think that's something that maybe we could speak to a little bit like, when you have the right strategy, it ain't going anywhere, but the way you communicate it might need some tweaking. Yeah. And I think there's a few things in there that, that made me think of one. I want to go back to your ad example because the part that we don't want to overlook is a fantastic example. I love the imagery. Like it, you can mm-hmm. see yourself sitting in that kitchen, right? Like, yeah. and so not only is that the project, it's the person, it's the, the who. And I think, you know, a good strategy is formulated around yeah, what kinds of projects do we want, but also who do we want to do those projects for? Where do they live? What kind of lifestyle do they have? We have a custom builder that basically it's like a niche of a niche, but they basically found out that they serve like or do a good job for people that have planes. And so they can Mm -hmm. build like stuff for people that have planes. Well, some of their tactics are going to be a blog post talking about aviation tips or plane storage or plane security or like like why would you be blogging about that when you're a custom builder well you would if that's who you're trying to attract same with like you know maybe it's first floor remodels or something and you're like talking mm-hmm. about creating a, a mud room that's like a drop zone for the the biker the skier the whatever and you got all these mm-hmm. special compartments and the way the layout is constructed so you can just like get to the mountains quickly like that's the level of detail you can get when you're thinking about the family that's doing X or this is the kind of like they're in this income class. So they golf and they ski and they play tennis. Okay. Well, what, what can I do that's product based, but also marketing based and content based that makes them feel like I get them all the way. That's gold. Yeah. I, you brought up the airplane community. I thinking of a guy years ago, who a lot of his best clients were into boating and sailing and things like that. And so kind of that same, that same realm. Don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but it makes me think of, but you know me. I'm always good for a good rabbit hole. (laughs) There you go. But it's like when, when you run an ad, you guys, like if you run an ad, the imagery has to be, it should look like who your ideal client is, right? Like you brought up tennis and golf and these things. And I'm, Again, the thousands of projects I've done in my life, you know, this one woman, she was embarrassed of her home because every week after tennis, they would go to one of the girls' houses, one of the women's houses to have wine or coffee or whatever they were tell they were doing on a Thursday afternoon, right? And she told me in the sales process that she always made an excuse to not have it at her house. 
because she mm. was embarrassed of her house. And so like, if I'm sitting here pulling back now going, okay, if I were going to run an ad, I might have a picture of the girls walking out to their Mercedes from the tennis club going, it'd be nice if they could come to your house for a change. Yeah. You know, just something Amazing. along those lines that pokes that sort of a person. Now maybe, maybe they're a golfer or something else, but they would still get the point. It's interesting you mentioned that example. Sorry to cut you off there. Yeah. We used some of that language early on with my uncle's business is the embarrassed thing. And that, so that like once you get to know your clients in a lot more detail like that, then you see those common threads and embarrassment to host or entertain is a common one. Right. And see, so but you can only, you know, use that to connect with them at a deeper level if you know them at a deeper level. Yeah. Well, you know, here in town, Matt Heiner, Heiner Outdoor Living, and uh, mm -hmm. he did our yard front and back and some stuff. And when he came out, now I, I, he's been a client of ours and we're friends and this and that, but he still came out and we had a conversation. We're standing in my old, ugly front yard a year and a half or so ago now. And he goes, literally just asked me, what am I doing here? And I, I opened the floodgates, dude. I was like, I've lived in some really nice houses through the years. And I've never had a yard that I've been proud of. And then I pulled out my phone and I go, Matt, you know me, I broadcast to the world several times a week from this stupid phone. I'll pull it up. I'll go live and this and that. And whenever I go live and I'm outside at my house, I have to position myself where nobody can see the yard because I'm embarrassed <laughs> of it. And so, so to that point, now let's pull back on this. Like he didn't do this, but like pull back knowing that he could easily run an Instagram post or an ad or campaign or whatever it is, billboards and town, this and that, that, that talk about, isn't it about time you have a yard you're proud of? Mm -hmm. Right. Just a thought provoking question to get guys. I can't pound Spencer. And I can't pound this into your heads enough. How important is it to put in the mental work of who that one individual is that's out there? Because once you key in on that one, there's thousands of them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you, you brought up different types of people earlier, made me think, see, this is just like story time back and forth. Neil, our CEO here in the contractor fight, former design build guy, sold his business in 2012 outside of Chicago, had an amazing business. And what he found is their ideal client were dog people. Mm. Anytime there were, so they made it part of their, their questionnaire. Like, do you have any pets? Yeah, we have three pets. Oh, what do you have? If they had a cat, they didn't want to work for them. And those jobs never went well because cat people were morons. Okay. And dog people were great to work with. They're way more easy going. So they started using some of that. Like if they were to use an image in an ad or, or whatever, it would have a family with dogs because that's love what it. they wanted. Yeah. So it was bring just kind of funny. It's, and then you could ask like, Hey, is it okay if we bring our office dog to the first meeting? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good stuff, man. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems and 
I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. So for somebody who's like, okay, this all sounds good, man, but I'm not a marketer. Where's the low-hanging fruit for somebody to get started on some of these things just to really start dialing in their marketing strategy so they're not wasting a lot of time and money on the wrong tactics? Yeah, I think steps one, like the first step is defining what you want it to look like in X timeframe. So typically a year is like good planning timeframe. We're hitting like Q4. So, you know, thinking about next year, this is good time. Like what are sales? Now, what do I want sales to be 12 months from now? Mm-hmm. How many leads am I getting now? How many leads do I think I need, you know, 12 months from now or three, six, nine months from now? Those are contextual questions that will help informing some of the tactics. And then when we think about, you know, like who you're wanting to attract and what types of projects, like those are huge because that we've kind of spent some time on that, but that's going to add the context to how you apply some of the tactics. Then you do, I mean, at the end of the day, you do have to have some marketing knowledge because from that, you're kind of like putting these things into the box, right? They're all adding context. Okay, I want to attract kitchens in these neighborhoods. These are the kind of families we want to work with. Okay, I'm really clear on that. Okay, this year we did 12 of these. Next year, I want to do 16 of these. Okay, well, where did we get these 12 Do we think we're going to get 12 from the same channels? Yes or no. Okay. How are we going to get four more? You know, okay. What channels? Well, can we exploit channels that are already working? Can we just double down or triple down? Do we need new channels? If yes. Okay. And then that's where you'd start looking at new channels. Okay. Do I need Google ads? Do I need an organic strategy? Do I need to be shooting video? That's where it can get a little bit like we're getting way into the weeds, but hopefully through that you saw some of the decision-making trees, right? Okay, Mm -hmm. where do I get my existing work? And is it reasonable to get the same from those channels? And can I just do more or do better? That's the first place that I would look is, can you do more of something that's already working? Because the worst thing would be, you get somebody like me coming in there and like, I'm a marketing expert, scrap all this stuff. We're doing these new things and you're going to pay me to do them. And it's like, well, those are all untested for your business at this point. So to run tests and start new channels, like you're going to have some lead time and there's going to be some learning, but with existing channels, if you've been tracking, then you have that data and you can make better decisions. So I like having a blend of like that 12 month strategy and like Mm -hmm. tactical, like runway but I also like to be thinking more long-term because I may need to start just using the example, the radio ad that I'm thinking 20 years ahead on that one guy that's going to come and buy a ring for me 20 years from now, you know, like, so you, you don't want to not do the long-term things. And so I feel like there's always a blend of short and long-term 
And, yeah. and then it comes down to budget and time and, you know, the other, the other factors. So, well, I think in something like you do correct, totally correct me if I'm wrong, but design build projects aren't typically fast moving things, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like you wake up, you open Google, you hit a button, schedule an appointment like you do with a plumber to come fix something. Right. So it's a very different law. It's a long game type thing because people are in different, they're thinking about the project for years before they do it or whatever it might be. One of the things I try to get everybody to get through their heads, if you're a design build contractor right now and you want to lead today, the lead you get today is from the work you did six, eight, 12 months ago or beyond. For sure. And so if you want leads today, if you're listening now and the phone ain't ringing the way you need it to, what are some things you could tell them to shit some leads now? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, really, right? Like you got some guys that listen to this right now going, okay, I get this. Yeah. And I'm going to start working towards this, but I could use some leads now. Yeah. My favorite, like just blanket answer for that is Google paid ads. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about, so I kind of, I'll come back to your plumbing example too, for the guys that maybe are doing smaller, quicker projects. But if somebody is thinking about remodeling their kitchen today, they're going to go to Google and type in kitchen remodeling company, Colorado Springs. And if you're not ranking organically, which is a long-term strategy and tactical plan that you need, then you can pay your way to the top and you can drive some activity, right? So you can say, I'm going to bid on these keywords, these phrases, and these zip codes. I'm going to drive people to my site. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we would want to make sure that your site is set up to convert and capture people. That's going to be a very quick way, right? Like you can put dollars in and you can get some traffic going your way and you know it's going to be contextual. Somebody went to Google, they typed in a certain keyword, they're looking for a certain type of company. Now you're in, you know, your hat's in the ring. Mm -hmm. So that's a very fast way. Obviously, you can always go back to your existing customer base, you know, reach out one-to-ones. You can do, you know, email campaigns, that sort of thing to like become top of mind. But you know, the people that are going to Google are actively looking. So that's yeah. why I say that as the short term. Real quick on the the plumbing example, I feel like even though that is a short term, like I, I got a problem, I need a solution now. The, the long-term strategy play there is ranking in Google for lots of those terms. And then you're not going to pay for the individual click. You're going to earn it over time. The quick strategy is I'm going to pay for ads and I'm going to just try to drive as much lead gen as I can. But if you're working a long-term and a short-term strategy over time, more of your leads will come from organic and your cost per lead goes down, your margins go up, your profitability goes up. So just wanted to throw that out there too. Like it, it can be applied to something that is very quick hitting, but you can have a long-term strategy around how you get those leads. Love it. A couple more questions here, man. Cool. Um, just off the top of your head, what are, are there any unhealthy negative marketing trends you see contractors taking the bait on right now that are hurting them? Mm. Stopping and starting is, I wouldn't say that's like current. That's a, I've always seen that. Inconsistency is, is a just brutal. I mean, you'll end up spending a bunch and then you stop for a period of time and then you spend some more and you basically broke the chain and like reset mm. a lot of your any momentum that you built. So I would highly encourage people to be consistent in their efforts. I'm sure you didn't start the podcast and then do three weeks and then stop it. You know, you yeah. you did it over a long period of time and you were consistent. And that's one of many reasons it's been successful. 
obviously you're entertaining, you have good content, like you have to have those other pieces. So I would say the stop start thing. The other thing I'll say is like probably people jumping on the TikTok trend. I, I don't want to say Gary, you can thank Gary V for that. Right? Yeah, I know. He's, <laughs> it's great. We've been, we've been slow to, to move into that space because my philosophy has always been, I don't want to be on the bleeding edge. I'd rather be on the cutting edge and then still be a few steps ahead of the majority. Right. So like, let's let the bleeding edge test, make all the mistakes, like see what we can learn and then jump in, like still be an early adopter. You could probably argue at this point, like TikTok maybe is past that, like maybe you're into the majority, but I think people jump into that as like a, a tactical thing and they didn't think through the strategy. And so that would be the unhealthy part is like, I'm going to do some dances, jump on these funny, you know, little things that everyone's doing. But my question would be, what is that doing for your brand? How does it fit into your overall strategy? Like, is this actually presenting your company in a good light? If it is, great. This is one of those buckets where you'd say, I'm testing this channel and I'm doing it in a thoughtful way and I'm going to let it play out over a period of time. But if you kind of just like jumped in, did a few funny, you know, dances and then, you know, whatever, like don't expect a lot. And it may like anyone that saw it and they were like, yeah, that's kind of weird. Like it may have done more harm. Yeah, it's well, this goes back to knowing who your ideal client is, right? Where are they hanging out? What's important to them? So I think most people in the design build space, for instance, again, I have no no data to back this up. Okay. I'm just going off of a hunch that the type of person that's going to do a high dollar, high profit design build project that's not going to be a pain in the ass to to work with is more likely to be found on LinkedIn than they are on TikTok, right? I found we had a different Few, we had a few different ideal client personas through the years in, in our painting business. And one of them was, was actually business owners because they were busy, mm. Yep, <laughs> you know, and they were busy. They didn't, they understand that shit costs money. They know that time kills deals. They understand like they see the value in what you do. And typically this is me as a business owner. I don't have a lot of time to go shopping for a lot of bids and re- research. I'm literally, I'm going, who's got the brand Who's got the great reviews, all the stuff like we talk about, I'm picking up the phone or I'm filling out the form and I know it's going to get taken care of and I'll I'm jump on board into their process and things like that. So yeah, I've, I've owned my own crap here. You know, for a while I was, you know, you got to be on every platform under the sun and you got to be visible. And I think there's, there's still a little wisdom to that in some ways, like in broad Agreed. strokes, right? Yep. But, uh, but I've also, I mean, today, you know, Logan, my video guy is behind this other camera here. What's up, Logan? All right. He's, um, you know, he lives here in the Springs and, and we were talking in between all our shoots and stuff today. We were looking at our TikTok. We were looking at our analytics and the views on our Instagram reels and, and we're evaluating. We're like, this ain't doing shit. Like some of this stuff, you know, a lot of these things are taking a hit. And we keep coming back to the podcast and the YouTube channel, the podcast and the YouTube channel. Like it's just one of those things that it's 90, 95% of our revenue as a company every year originates Mm -hmm. by somebody getting on our email list on one of those two channels, you know, like hands down. Yeah. And I think the other factor that, that we didn't spend a ton of time on today is real constraints and that's dollars and time. And a lot of people, they have a, you know, a dollar constraint. And so that's when it's really important to track because, I mean, everybody has dollar and time constraints, but to, to what degree is always the question. But if you're evaluating like, okay, I have time for two social media channels, not six, 
then yeah, you want to be really intelligent about, okay, it's going to be Instagram and LinkedIn and we're going to cut, you know, TikTok and Facebook or, you know, whatever it is, or we're going to do video. So we're going to do X number of videos. So that's, that's the other piece that I think like gets melded into strategy is like, if I have X dollars, then how am I going to best utilize it? And then that will include or exclude certain tactical things just because you simply can't do it. And then I do want to include in this that you always can create time. And so if you don't have dollars, Luckily, we live in a world where you can use your time online. You don't have to door knock at midnight. Like you can actually door knock digitally, you know, at midnight. And like literally how I got this business off the ground was individually messaging people on LinkedIn one by one, literally over a thousand people to invite them to a free webinar (laughs) where I talked about our methodology and we landed our first few clients out of that. And then over time, I, I was able to do less and less of that because that didn't scale very well. But if you're in a spot where you literally dollars, you can't spare them, like you can't put them towards marketing, you can put time to it. Oh, well, that reminds me of, you know, guy we both know, Marcus Sheridan. You know, he just spoke at a mm-hmm. high event and stuff, and he's done many events and workshops for us through the years. And Marcus wasn't at this most recent event. It was one we had in Florida the year before, I think. He, it was a smaller event. He came down. He says, don't give me this crap that you guys don't have time. He's like, and he shared about river pools and stuff. Like he had no money to market during the last recession and all that. And he's like, I sat at my kitchen table from 11 p.m. to about 1 a.m. every night for two years. Every night. Let me say that again. Every night for two years. And I wrote a blog post. And I wrote a blog post and I, so there's always something that we can take control of in our, in our marketing. So, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Mine was slightly different. Just, I didn't fortunately do 11 to one, but it was, yeah, mm-hmm. like you know, seven to nine at night, you know, you're yeah. just direct messaging people doing, you know, <laughs> doing what you got to do. <laughs> so good stuff, man. So before we get out of here, is there anything else that we should touch on for a minute or two? that we haven't talked about that you're just burning the share or that you think might help somebody listening? It's a good question. I think, I think it would be more just like a, a real call to action to actually take some of the things that we just talked about and like jot them down, you know, like rather than open up like some more to think about it, just the, the stuff that we went through, this is the stuff that we go through Q4 for our clients, for our own company, like, where are we at today? Kind of take stock of that. What drove revenue this year? Like which channels? And then what are we trying to accomplish next year? And even if it's just super basic, if it's just, this is where I'm at, this is where I'm trying to go. This is what worked this year. This is what didn't. Maybe we should just try doing more of what worked this year and see if we can get more output. Like it could be as simple as that. And then at least you can feel confident that you, you took a couple of steps. I mean, I would love it if you sat down and really defined ideal projects, ideal clientele, and kind of like try to get a picture in your mind or on paper of who that is and kind of their lifestyle. And that will help. You can refer back to that as you create the tactical things throughout the year, and it'll give you kind of that North Star of where you're going. So I think that's what I would say is just take 20 minutes and just, you probably got a lot of it in your head and then you could, you could enhance it with some, you know, some more research or bouncing ideas off people or connecting with other people, but you could probably in 20 minutes, like get some more clarity and just feel better about it. And sometimes that gives you the confidence to actually just 
execute on it consistently. <laughs> Something we skirted over about 15 minutes ago was, and, and I don't want people to miss this, is you talked about sitting down, like just what's the best type of project you can do, right? Get clarity around that. Guys, the more clear you are around the types of jobs you want to what Spencer just shared, take 20, 30 minutes, whatever it is, sit down. Job cost a few pro- different types of projects and go, man, every time we do this type of project, we knock it out of the park. These are easy for us to pull off, whatever. So that might be the thing that you go, we want more of those. Set a goal for the next time frame, quarter, year, whatever it is, of how many more of those projects or how many of those total projects you want to do in a year. And here's why, here's something I've learned on this, not to get all woo-woo on people, all right? I've just realized through the years that whatever I put my focus and attention to, it grows. So if I, if it's, if I just go, I just want to grow the business by a million bucks next year, but I, I'm not targeted in what that is, it's less likely to happen. But when I say, I'll just use the fight, right? We have our battleground program. It's our big group pro- program. We set an, an actual number of new members per quarter goal right? And when we do that, we're way more likely to hit it because our whole consciousness is around it. And I think we're attracting it and all that other stuff, which I know is getting into the woo land, but guys don't, you know, have a target. You're not, don't use a shotgun, use the sniper rifle, put your crosshairs on the exact type of projects, zip codes, whatever it is that you want. In fact, I worked with a guy Spencer last year. He wanted to do more interior painting projects and we narrowed it down to like three different subdivisions in yeah, the city, love it. like literally those subdivisions. And then we're like, okay, what events are going on in those subdivisions? Do they have, one of them had a, on Thursday nights, they had like a farmer's market every Thursday night in the summer months where they had live bands and food trucks and stuff. So he started sponsoring things there and his son, and guess what happened? He increased interior paint jobs in that exact community. So, yeah. Wild. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. I could barely believe that happened. That's a good example. I believe in the, the woo woo stuff too. I mean, yeah. I had a funny example from when I first started this business, but I like, remember at the beginning of the year, I wrote down all these like big goals, blah, blah, blah. And some of them were business related. Some were like personal savings, investing, like just across the board. And I had to like slid it in my desk and then, you know, like just keep going. I literally found that thing like the next year, early the next year when I was going to create my next goals list. And I think about two thirds or half done, checked off. Like not all of them, but like just putting it in the subconscious, thinking about it. Like, and, and I think the more you remind yourself of it, I, I probably could have done better than than half. But yeah, I think there is, there's a lot of power to that. That's good stuff, man. So dude, somebody's listening to you. They're like, this guy's, he's, he's locked in. I like him. How, how do they find you? What's a you know, what's a way that you'd love for somebody to reach out and check you guys out? Yeah. Builderfunnel.com is the easiest way. We've also got a little tool there. You can grade your site, but you can also hit up the the contact form. You can get a hold of me that way. Mm-hmm. If you like LinkedIn, I'm there, or you can pick up a copy of the book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. That's on Amazon. Yeah. Any of those ways. Yeah. You stole my, the words out of my mouth. Cause I was just going to say, you got a book too. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, right here. Yeah. Right there. Look at that. Remod- remodeling uh, mar- marketer blueprint. So yeah. uh, where you kind of peel things back and open some eyes. So that's good stuff, man. Yeah. It's a good framework. If you just like look at digital and you're like, how do all these pieces go together? What's the framework here? Like it'll, it'll add a lot of clarity to that. Good stuff. Well, dude, once again, I just wanted to thank you for hanging out for a little while with us here today and adding some great value to the fight. And we got to get together sometime soon, man. Let's, I, and you know what? I'm going to make the commitment right now. By the end of 2022, 
I was just together. I was right. just gonna say that I was like we should so, do it by the end of the quarter. So end deals quarter, a deal. I'm, I'm and, heading out uh, of town next Tuesday for a couple of weeks, and I'll be back the first week of November. And so sometime after that, let's let's plan on getting together, and I'll buy you a beer or or a root beer or something. I don't care. Whatever you want. So. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, yeah, no, let's make it happen. And yeah, thank you for having me on. I always enjoy our conversations about this stuff, and appreciate it. Likewise, man. Appreciate you. Everybody, give us a rating. Give us a review. Go check out Spencer and Builder Builder Funnel in the show notes. We'll put the link in there for you all. Pick up a copy of his book, and I uh, guarantee that you're going to learn something as well. And with that, you guys rock, and we got to roll. We're out. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And as a quick reminder, text RADIO to 33777 for some free goodies as a thank you for listening to the show. And if you got some value from today's episode, I just ask that you leave us a quick review on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word and grow this awesome community of people who are working to improve their lives and their businesses. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.